jailbreak somewhere in this town. To start the conversation going forward, I think it's important to recap kind of how we got here. Uh, Obviously, new attorney general in North Dakota, uh, Drew Wrigley, former U.S. attorney, also former lieutenant governor, and now he's got the keys to uh, the attorney general's office and has put forward a budget request that would increase his office's budget by like 30% and also wants minimum mandatory sentencing for uh, certain crimes. And uh, while a fiscal note that was a a part of that bill uh, shows that over five years, that's going to be almost $30 million. So here to break down, uh, you know, minimum mandatory and quite frankly, what this all means going forward is Dane DeCray. He's a friend of the show and quite frankly, uh, one of those defense attorneys that uh, knows a thing or two about uh, this very subject because they've been out at the forefront in some of his previous rules pushing back on this concept. Dan, welcome back to KFGO. How are we doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking some time here. Um, and let's start off with the minimum mandatory sentences. Uh, I know the last time you and I uh, visited about this, we are kind of taken aback that this is the 180 change that happened with a new attorney general. Uh, Wayne Stengem worked with Kelly Armstrong, worked with Max Schneider, worked with the legislature to kind of seek criminal justice reform. I thought it was on the right track. And now here we are uh, going back. Uh, has Does minimum mandatory work? Does it prevent crimes from happening? The only way it prevents crimes from happening is by putting certain people in jail for that amount of time. But that is usually what happens in the normal criminal justice system. So it is a creative way to try to make it seem like you're doing something when in reality you're not and it's not actually preventing the crime you're worried about. So the short answer is no. The bumper stick answer is yes, but anybody who looks at it closely and does the empirical research knows that it does not, in fact, reduce crime. i got a question when it comes to judges, because this certainly seems to tie their hands in what they deem appropriate when it comes to sentencing for some of these crimes. Uh, you're a defense attorney. I, I mean, do judges routinely take it easy on those that have found been found guilty of a crime? Only for those who deserve it and who have explained how this is a one-time mistake or has some sort of mitigating circumstance. Uh, I can tell you that judges hate mandatory minimums because it prevents them from doing their very job, which is to judge someone and decide the appropriate punishment. Mandatory minimums are not going to make it so that the bad people that we're all worried about are going to go to jail longer, prison longer. They're going to make it for the people that made a mistake, have a legitimate issue for why they deserve a little bit of leniency, but don't get it because the judge's hands are tied. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase some of what uh, I'm reading, and this is, uh, I don't want to give credit where it's due, uh, and this is a forum, April uh, uh, Baumgarten, that has written this. But yeah, just to summarize what the Wrigley Bill is seeking here, minimum mandatory sentences for violent and drug crimes in which defendants have a gun, possessing a, a gun during one of those crimes would get a person at least three years in prison. If you take out the firearm, it would warrant five years. If you shoot that gun, guess what? It's at least seven years. And if you break that law uh, twice, you're going to serve at least 10 years. These seem pretty steep, do they not? These are steep. They're steeper in the federal system, and that's where our new attorney general is getting them, and that's where I worked with them when I was a federal public defender. 
I guess to his credit, they're a little bit less steep than that, but they are very steep, much steeper than they've been in North Dakota, much steeper than Wayne Stengem ever wanted, and much steeper than our legislature has ever seen for no justification other than we're trying to copy the federal system, which again, all empirical research says does not work for the things that we want, which is to actually reduce crime and actually give people a chance to rehabilitate themselves. Well, and the rehabilitation part, I think, is where a lot of progress was made over the last, uh, I would say, eight years, if not, you know, 10, that, you know, we, we took that step back and realized that some of these crimes committed are because of other behavioral problems, addiction, uh, poverty, whatever it might be that, you know, if we if we don't lock them up where they might, in fact, learn how to commit even different crimes, for example, that, you know, this might uh, help that individual. But guess what? It's going to maybe save you and I tax dollars. When I see a fiscal note get dropped on this mandatory minimum sentencing of $28.2 million over the next five years, that's pretty jaw-dropping, uh, Dane. That's a lot of money to throw somebody behind bars. I get it. We've got money in North Dakota. I don't think it should be used this way. No. I mean, at a minimum, it should be used in conjunction with rehabilitation. Mandatory minimums do nothing for rehabilitation. This $28 million should be spent towards actually reducing crime instead of just putting people away for a certain amount of time. Because the part of that that no one remembers is those people will come out. They will be your neighbor someday. And if we don't deal with the problem while they are in prison, then they are going to come back out and do the same thing. That is what we know from the research. The way we reduce crime is by trying to stop it up the chain or to help people while they are incarcerated for lower amounts of time to do a better job when they're out. A one-size-fits-all mandatory minimum approach does not work, it has not worked, and it won't work other than to provide a catchy bumper sticker campaign or slogan. It doesn't work in the real world. Dan DeCray, our guest, he's a defense uh, attorney, and we're talking about the mandatory minimum sentencing uh, for gun-related crimes in North Dakota that was brought forward by Attorney General Drew Wrigley. Uh, what what strikes me about this, and I don't know how into the weeds you want to get as far as fiscal notes go. I know you're an attorney, not a lawmaker, but the, <laughs> the fiscal note, you, but you follow the process. I mean, you've been with enough organizations and uh, in your previous life to know the North Dakota Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation is the one that laid out the details and actually wrote the fiscal note. Uh, it, do you think that they would overshoot what it, what they estimate it would cost to house people over five years for this min- minimum mandatory? No. Yeah. I read that same article by April Baumgarten, and I think that was a pretty cheap shot by Attorney General Wrigley to, to say that. Of course they wouldn't. You know, They're nonpartisan. <laughs> they're not elected. They're they're bureaucrats. What they're doing is they're trying to give everybody all the information to make the right choice. It's not kabuki theater or whatever he said in there. That's unfair. And as the attorney general, you shouldn't be saying that. They're just trying to let everybody know what this actually does. They're doing the right thing. And correct me if I'm wrong. And people have been doing it all day today. And you know what? They'll probably do it all over again tomorrow. Uh, Is the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation not under the attorney general's supervision? I don't I recall. I don't recall. Careful. Yeah. I don't recall either. Okay. I think so, but it may be under the governor. They may be executive branch, but I think the attorney general is too, actually. I I confess I, I was okay. not a North put- Dakota kid, so <laughs> my state and local government 
tested for Wyoming. Not hey, North man, Dakota. I was in the but state Senate. That, Trust me, if anyone's got <laughs> egg on their face by asking that question, it's me. So don't need to apologize. I, I just I don't remember because the only time I dealt with the Department of Corrections, aside from the budget process that went through appropriations, is if there was the rehabilitation side that was before the Human Services Committee, which I served on. But the the throwing under the bus of the the people that prepared, this is what it would cost if we did what your dream is, Attorney General, isn't fair. I think you're right in bringing that up, but I'll do my research here and see if not if these are his staff members or if they are found elsewhere. Uh, Dane, final question I have for you, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you go here, but I, I know that you, uh, as a defense attorney, you take issue with this. I think that's pretty apparent here. Uh, there's When this is introduced from the chief law enforcement officer, it, it carries some weight behind it. Is there an effort that you're aware of to push back on this? I mean, have there been defense attorneys? Are there people in rehabilitation that are out there advocating against this that you're aware of? I'm aware of a pretty concerted effort by North Dakota criminal defense attorneys. Uh, I also know that Travis Fink uh, of the Indigent Council is doing a lot of work. I will tell you that what's going to move the needle the most, just because obviously we're on the opposite side of the V, as they say with uh, the attorney general, would be judges to come forward and say, you know, we can handle sentencing bad dudes. And when they're not bad dudes, you shouldn't tell us how to sentence them. And because that's their job. And if you do this, What's the point of being a judge? What's the point of looking at people's backgrounds and histories? We'll just do mandatory minimums for everything, and that's not the process, and that's not where we want to go. So I do think there's some uh, pushback going on, but given the makeup of the legislature and given, you know, frankly, Drew Wrigley's persuadability, he's a, he's a good politician, I think we need judges who are nonpartisan to step forward and say, please don't do this. Please don't tie your hands. Well, it just gave me an idea. You know, maybe we'll be reaching out to some of those on the bench and see if they can't come and speak to this, Dane. Dane, as always, it's fun to catch up, man. We'll do it again soon. Until then, you take care, all right? Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, you bet. Dane DeCray, uh, defense attorney. Uh, it just It's backwards. We're going the wrong way. That's my opinion. You just heard from a defense attorney that's quite frankly in the know on what this does in fact mean and what the success or failure rate of it is. But let me just say, uh, the the death by fiscal note, and to have somebody in the executive branch come out and say from the the pen to paper, just saying this is what it's going to cost. Well, they're not taking into account this, the price of uh, the return on investment. Welcome to the club on some of these arguments here. But if it is, in fact, that you just want to throw people behind bars, we know just exactly how much that costs per year. So to, to question their math skills, I think is a little insulting from the attorney general's office. 35270, I got messages, but I got to get you a weather update from Too Tall Tom Schmansky. We'll come back to your thoughts, your questions, and your viewpoint on this and more next on KFGO.